This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. What is going on, everyone? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast. My name is Armando. Remember, you can follow me on Instagram on the Bass Kayak and Beers and Facebook also on the Bass Kayak and Beers. Great episode for you today. Great guest. Um, we've had him on the podcast before. Big fan of this young man and what he's done at such a young age in our young young sport of kayak fishing. That is Mr. Ewing Miner. Um, very excited. He just won the Broken Bowl Tournament, a tournament that I took a part uh, of this weekend. Very disappointing for me. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, before we bring in Ewing. But kind of wanted to touch on something as much as some of you know. The follow this board May 8th, 2022, passing away of uh, Ray Scott. You know, he's the founder of Bass Fishing, as we know, Bass Bass Angler Sportsman's Society, as we lovingly refer to as BASS. He really had the vision of turning this, the pastime of bass fishing into a actual sport. And big props um, to what he's done Honestly, none of us would be um, enjoying this sport at the way we are right now if it wasn't for what Ray Scott did. Other than that, I mean, he really spearheaded um, having live wells, you know, and catch and release, which if you think about it, if we didn't have that, how long would this sport be sustainable if, you know, every tournament <laughs> it was catch and keep, you know, so big props to him on that. Definitely, it's going to be missed, um, a void in, in the bass fishing community. Um, I wouldn't be having this podcast. I wouldn't be taking part of a tournament in the Hobie BOS, probably, if it wasn't for the work and the groundwork that Ray Scott did. So uh, deeply saddened by the departure of Ray Scott, as both of you are as well, I'm sure. Um, other than that, like I mentioned, Hobie BOS broken both took a part in that tournament. Unfortunately for me, it was completely different result from what you had had um pre-fishing was amazing i think everybody that i talked to in pre-fishing you know when you go to pre-fishing and i'm not a huge expert on it i just know a little bit about competitive and tournament fishing but what i've learned is you look for where the bite is and you try to cancel water and cancel baits meaning where are you, where you can't find them you make sure you don't go there you know on tournament day unless the conditions change what baits are not working. So you narrow what baits you're going to use and what areas you're going to fish. Thursday, you cannot cancel a bait. You cannot cancel an area. I mean, I've I had that experience, and I everyone that I talked to on the water that pre-fished Thursday and Friday had the same thing. It was like no matter what you threw, no matter where you threw it, you were catching bass. There wasn't big bass, but there were – I mean, you. I was – I mean, honestly, Friday I was catching like 20 bass. Thursday, the I went to another area upriver. Um, all my pre-fishing was upriver. Um, and that was uh, not as many bass, but still, you know, I got my limit in on 
my pre-fishing limit on the first 30 minutes. And then from that, um, I spent most of the day looking for big bass. So, you know, didn't catch much on Thursday. On Saturday, I'm, I'm sorry, on Friday. On Saturday, I went to the spot that I went on Friday and I just could not put on a limit. The first spot that I had narrowed down, I was catching them, but they were short strikes, uh, missed short strike, 10-inch bass. I mean, I could not, for the life of me, get a measurable fish, not until later that day. Ended up with two replay with my head and my emotional state, if I'm being honest. I mean, at one point, I just wanted to crawl up in a fatal position and die, uh, or cry, I should say. Um, Sunday was just... uh, you know, fun fishing. I only caught two fish on Saturday. So Sunday, just make sure I was out of the way of anybody that was, you know, um, in the money or, you know, still with a chance to get in the money. So I, you know, I would, wherever I see somebody, I would just kind of pick my choose places where there was nobody. So I didn't catch much and didn't expect to catch much. Honestly, I was just there to enjoy the lake, beautiful lake, broken boy. But anything, you don't want to hear about my day. You want to hear about you and mine, my next guest uh, for the day. That's who you want to hear about, Broken Bow. So let's bring in him. Let's bring him in. Before we do that, um, shout out to Douglas Outdoors. Douglas Outdoors, uh, sponsor of my podcast. Go check out the LRS lineup, X-Matrix lineup, and fly fishing. If you're into fly fishing, award-winning fly fishing, that is douglasoutdoors.com. Quick commercial from Waypoints, and we'll bring in your minor. Mr. Your Minor, how are you today, buddy? Doing good. Congratulations, man, on your big, big win at Broken Bowl. How did that feel? It felt really good, um, especially coming out off of what was a horrible streak ever since the TOC when I had four fish on day one. Similar to your experience on on Broken Bow, I, you know, I had solid practice, went out there, my game plan didn't work, tried to figure out something, never got the fifth fish in the boat for the first. I guess I was three three tournaments. Really struggled, frustrated with myself. I was super excited when I got down to Broken Bow. There were lots of fish biting. Yeah. Like, all right, at least I don't have to worry about if I'm going to get a limit or not because it was – you know, I had fish in all stages. Yeah. They were up shallow, out deep. There were fish on bushes. Uh, had fish in a marina. Anything that you could fish, there were going to be fish on. And believe it or not, you know, to my surprise, my biggest fish were coming on a drop shot during practice. I just decided I'd go with that. Those fish wouldn't get as much pressure. You know, stay stay away from more people. I was fishing stuff that was pretty obvious on the map, but I was covering, a, you know, a good amount of points throughout the day, and I was using my live scope to just – pinpoint the the spot within the spot yeah i would imagine it was it's it's a first of all it's a beautiful lake never been there before um if you go up river you really had to cut your fishing time short because you really if you wanted to get out of water you got to get out early because i mean there was not a cell signal for like especially if you launch on the i forgot the name of that ramp but not they're like three ramps up river the first one just to get there is 30 minutes of just driving through the woods. You almost need an hour. It take, you know, take your last hour of pre of fishing tournament to just get signal and upload your fish. You fish more on the main lake. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, I did. And it, it's interesting because everywhere that I've talked to, like you, you mentioned, you caught him on the main lake, pre-fishing on the up river. Everybody was catching him. Garrett Morgan, who jumped like 20 positions, on day two was just on on top water the whole day and you're doing drop shots the whole day pretty much you know it's 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 an amazing fishery it's kind of sad that we nobody could really consistently get a like a 20 inch bite you know you think about lake fork where you know you you get you if to win a a tournament you need especially a two-day tournament you need maybe two or three even four 20 inch bass just to win the tournament and this one i mean yourself your biggest fish was only 19 and a half right is that i think yep. that's correct and that, that was on the drop shot yep 
everything, all all ten of them. All ten of them on the drop shot. The how deep were you catching them? I was catching them in like fourteen to eighteen foot. Wow! And Not just off your points, points, humps, road bed, any kind of anything that a fish would stop at. You know, they were moving out. Water was dropping. Water was warming up. I was just looking for those places. It looked like the first place that the fish would stop at before they really go deep and try to get in. You know, it was very similar to a Eastern Tennessee Lake, which I'm fortunate enough to fish a lot now that I go to Carson Newman. And I was thinking these fish are probably sitting on these points, these humps. I was fishing around some, some islands, uh, just places that they would go before they would go you know, to somewhere else in the nearby area that's maybe 30 foot deep where they would most likely hold during the summer. Would you say that most of your fish were, as far as you can tell, like pre, uh, post-spawn females? Yes. Yeah, that that's what I figured. They were all post-spawn fish. They were just moving out. And as the water dropped, the fish kept coming. When I left the day, when I left at the end of the final day, there were more fish than when I showed up on the first day. Wow. They were that just is crazy. Constantly coming. The water dropped. I don't I never looked at the numbers, but I bet it was at least a foot and a half to two feet during the two days of the tournament alone. Yeah, I know. And and it's interesting because I think two weeks prior to the tournament, I, I'm imagining that it had rained a lot and I heard the uh the lake level was at twelve feet above pool. That's what I've heard now. I don't don't quote me on it. I'm not sure. Then I heard it by like a week before the tournament it had dropped down to like five feet uh, above pool. And then by tournament lines in, it was pretty much even. Like they were really drawing out water. Um, I think that had to do a lot with it. When you think, okay, post-spawn females are moving out of their beds, um, the water dropping, the temperature skyrocketing. I mean, the, the water temperature was 80 degrees. And if like either between 78 and 82 degrees everywhere I fished. Mm -hmm. So I think those, all those factors made it like completely different dynamic, at least that I'm uh, used to fishing just because I think they were, I really thought whoever wins this is going to have to find that deep water bite, you know, not crazy deep, like 40, 50 feet, but something around what you had, like, you know, mm -hmm. that between 20 and 10 feet. Uh, Did you, go ahead. No, it was, how you said the water was up, it was, you know, I was planning on going there, doing finesse fishing, um, maybe throw a little bit of big swim baits around, which I did catch a lot of fish on a mag draft each day. They just didn't help. Uh, but I went there, <clears throat> I guess it was right before I left. I saw Ryan Lambert. He posted something about high, dirty water fishing at Broken Bow. Like, oh, no, don't tell me this one's flooded. And I looked, the water was four foot high. I was like, oh, sh we should still have some some clean water. I had no ex no clue if that lake got muddy. There's not much information on the lake if you do research. Yeah. So I was kind of going in. I went from, you know, expecting to fish deep the whole time to, oh, there's probably fish in the bushes, which there were tons of them. I caught during practice probably 15 20 fish a day on a buzz bait just going down the bank and they just weren't the size that i was looking for and i was yep. catching better ones offshore stayed out there when the wind would pick up i'd during the tournament i'd throw a mag draft down the bank on day one i caught six that were all under like 16 7 5 was my biggest or my smallest fish so they were they were very aggressive and hungry fish yeah, no, definitely. That's one thing that I noticed. In a healthy fishery, the fish that I caught, usually like here in Texas, you know, you you, you catch a big fish and you'll notice, and I'm not talking about um, spawning bass where you see the tail kind of bloody, that's normal. But like with little like ulcers or parasites and stuff like that, mm. every fish that I caught in pre-fishing and even during the tournament, it was, they were beautiful spotted bass. Very, you can tell they were healthy because they were fighter aggressive. And I mean, just picture perfect fish in the sense that, you know, you didn't see any like fish that were like, you know, like you can tell it had parasites or it had a, like a rough day or something like that. It was just 
like very healthy fishery from what I can tell. Um, yeah, they definitely were really healthy and they, they pulled very hard. The 19 and a half that I caught on day one, by the way, it was fighting. I was thinking this is going to be a 21, 22 yeah. fish and I get it in the net and it's put it on the board. It's a 19 and a half. And it just, it took me, you know, over a minute to land a fish, which is a pretty good amount of time considering I was using eight pound line. You have a decent amount of control. Um, yeah. And it just, they'd run you all over the place. They never gave up. Even the 14, 15 inches, if you were fishing top water, they were, they were so mean and fought so hard when they'd blow up, you have a 14 inch of any three of the species blow up on your top water and you think it's a five pounder yep. <clears throat> and then it pulls like a three pounder and it's 14 inches. Yeah. I, I had that experience and taking a picture of it too was just a half of man. They would not stay still. <laughs> it, was, it was, I try to be hands off. Because, you know, with the rules, you I always kind of forget that I, you know, I just try to be as hands-off as I can. But with this one, it was hard, man. They were just, I mean, they, first fish, it took me like 10 minutes just to get a picture of it because they would not stay still. They were, I mean, I, and again, very healthy fishery. Um, for those that haven't gone to Broken Bowl, it's very different from a lot of lakes I've seen, even country lakes, county lakes, because... There is really no boathouses. It is very primitive area. Um, up, like I said, upriver, like there's really no ramp. I mean, there is some ramps, but they're not maintained. Not even the roads are maintained. It's just gravel roads for miles and miles. Um, so I think that keeps the health, the ecosystem on that lake as prime as it, you can find. And hopefully it'll stay that way for a lot more years because it's a beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful lake. It really is. I, anyone that thinks about going, if Hobie goes back next year, I mean, there's no reason to go. It's a beautiful area. The town's great there. Uh, yes. And if you want to catch a bunch of fish, that's, that's where you need to be. <laughs> I haven't had a day like any of the four days I fished down there and, over a year i feel like it's just everything you did they'd bite yep it's a really good time out there and it, yes. showed, it showed with the leaderboard with every almost every single person it was well like 40 or 50 spots had 80 inches on day one yep it was crazy because uh, i know the house that i was staying um trying to remember i think it was Matt or Kyle, I can't remember which one. There were 11 of us staying at the house. And all, I mean, the the one, the the one that had the highest spot in our house was just four inches away from the leader, but like 30 positions down. Mm -hmm. And it was like, at first you think, okay, I only need four more inches to on the next day to go ahead of the leader. But it's not only that, it's those 30 people that are in between you and the leader also need to not have a, a, not have that good day. So it, it really was misleading when you think about it. You think, oh, I'm only, even if you think, oh, I'm only 10 inches behind, you know, I got a shot. You were 10 inches behind the leader on day one. You probably weren't even in the money on day two. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how crazy it was. And I think if I remember correctly, the top out of 173, I think 130 something caught a limit. And that's crazy too. You know, usually you see half the field, sometimes less, but in this one's like almost everyone was catching a limit on this, on this lake and limits were coming. Like in the morning bite was crucial. Like the guys, I remember talking to Fernando Nandina, I was staying with him on the Airbnb with the rest of the guys. And he was saying, you know, you got to catch that limit. And we, I mean, Limits would come in the first 30 minutes mm -hmm. uh, of lines in. That It was that easy. But again, the big bites, um, that was the hard thing to figure it out. When you think about the lines out day one, you take a look at the leaderboard, and you're about five spots behind the leader, uh, if I remember correctly. I was, Go ahead. I was in second place behind the back quarter inch. 
Oh, second place? I thought you were further down. Yeah. My bad. That was so, Ryan. Ryan was in like fifth place or sixth place. Oh, yeah, that is Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking, and I'm also thinking about day two. Day two, you came in like third or fourth, right? But just ahead of, of uh, um, I forgot his name, Tro. Uh, I have to, I should have looked it up. I apologize. But anyways, when you look at uh, day, when you lines out at day one, how confident were you that you were going to be able to win this if you were confident at all? I, you know, I knew that I had a chance to win it. I wasn't sure. Um, I was around the right fish. They were biting. I had a lot of people in my area, but I wasn't extremely worried about it because the last spot that I fished on day two, I had already caught several fish on it throughout the day. Stopped back on it. I caught a fish and three of them followed it up right next to the boat. So I knew that there were just constantly fish moving in. Didn't think I'd have any issues with running out of fish, but day two when I showed up, everything was slick i couldn't find fish for the first hour or two of the tournament um but then once that sun got up and it things got heated up they they really showed up in a big way so that's interesting because that's a, a little bit different than what i've kind of well i'll the for to me the morning bite on sunday was uh there were a lot of bites then the sun came out and it got the bite to me in the area I was fishing like completely died down. And again, I'm fishing, you know, looking for areas where nobody's fishing because I wasn't going to be in the money. So I didn't want to, you know, be the the reason why somebody doesn't catch a check. So I tried to stay away from anybody that was that, that was fishing. I would assume anybody that was fishing that area had a chance in the money. So to me, I was just wherever I, I find a, a spot. So it might, that might be different. But I didn't notice the bite picking up till later, closer to like 12 noon, um, when the wind started picking up. Um, was that the same for you? When I caught him, it was actually slick calm. Um, I noticed that lake. It was. I discussed this with with Steve Fields. Something about the, um, just the geography around the that lake. He said that. I noticed that the wind would just gust for like 30 minutes. It'd be like a 30 minute long gust blowing 15 miles an hour out of one direction. And then it would go slick calm. And then you'd have another, another, you know, 30 windy minutes and it'd be coming from a different direction, but it was during one of those slick calm periods that I, that I caught most of my fish on day two. Yeah. It was in, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that was mainly due to the fact that I could really stay positioned on those fish. I was, as I was catching them, I wasn't have to working work at all. Um, I just, I got to sit there and focus on making them bite. That's pretty awesome. man. the way that you found him able to figure it out props to you and just kind of clarify and apologize to Tovu. Um, and I hope I said that right. He's from Oklahoma. He came in second. You, and you're right. You came in. I was thinking of day two when you came down. I think third place you came. When you look at the end of lines out at day two, you're sitting, you know, 86 and a, and a half inches compared to what you had on day one, which was 88 and a half inches. So now you, you got two inches less. How confident were you that, like, man, did I win this? Or were you thinking you were not going to be able to make it um well i had a feeling that i would be able to beat toe because he was you know both day one and day two he caught him early he caught him quick he didn't call after that i was pretty confident that he didn't but then again i was only leading by half an inch once i added things up and that's unofficial he could have held a big fish yeah um and so I was I was nervous, but I did what I had to do. You know, there's there's always there's always going to be that tournament that you do everything you can do. You put the fish in the boat, and you come up second or third, and it's frustrating. But you know, as long as I I put in the work, I land the fish I need to. I was like I put myself in position to win. If I didn't. It is what it is, but I was mainly worried about the guys that didn't have service. Yeah. Um, and 
there was because it was Cody Milton. He was he was going to some crazy place and scaling a mountain is how they described it with his yeah. kayak. <laughs> I think I know and, which one it is. And he he was he was you know took forever to get back to awards and that that was what stressed me out the most was waiting on him because I wasn't sure you know what he had I knew he was in a good position to to where if he you know got the right bites he after talking to someone that was fishing at the launching with him um they were on very big fish just couldn't get them you know couldn't get a ton to commit couldn't get them in the boat and I was you know just that was my thought in the back of my mind was what if he caught 90 91 inches and passed me up but you just do your best to stay calm and collected and go on yeah at that point it was uh, your job is done it's just manning of see where the the numbers fall and you, all you have to do is kind of like hope and pray that it it landed where you know we're in the top spot now you mentioned that you know you kind of struggle after the TOC I know the TOC must have been uh, I would imagine um, even you being at a young age and making waves in a tournament um you should be proud of yourself, right? I think mm -hmm. most 99% of the anglers out there, especially at that young age, wish they could be in your position. But however, how for you, you expect more of yourself, especially when you consider, you know, you're in the pole position to to win Angler of the Year uh, at the TLC. That unfortunately uh, wasn't in, you know, didn't work out that way. And you said, you mentioned yourself, you struggled things. Was, did losing the TLC and not winning Angler of the Year kind of like spilled over into this season? Do you think that's part of, you know, your struggles, or you think that's just the win um, uh, late winter bite is not your thing? No, I I don't think it was even that. I'm usually, like, I was both uh, on Santee Cooper and Toledo Bend. I was on Good Fish. Toledo Bend, I had the bite on day one, my fifth fish came off with two or three minutes to go. It came up and it was on top of the water, tried to stick my net under it. It's like an 18, 19 incher jerkbait treble hook stick into the net because it dove back down and it came. Um, and then similar thing at, at Santee Cooper, I broke off like an 18, 19 incher. It was on a bed. I had just retied using 17 pound line. Just one of those weird things you, you know, those cypress trees, they're, they're crazy. I set the hook and it broke off and then came up and jumped and I got to see a good look of, look at it. But, you know, those both day twos, I had great day twos. You know, I did what I could, got the last check at Santee Cooper, got jumped like almost, I think it was 70 or 80 spots at Toledo Bend to, go from in the hundreds to I think I was 31st so being able to do that was kind of kept my confidence up but when I went into Ufala and I struggled all day just for one 12 incher that that one really you know it made me made me question I was like do I still know how to catch these darn things <laughs> yeah I bet uh, but it's just, you know, it wasn't my time to shine. I, you know, some tournaments it's meant to be. For those that, you know, are struggling, it's it's one of those things. You, you will be going struggling, struggling, struggling. And when it's your time, you can't do anything wrong. That's true. It's meant to happen. It's going to happen. It's hard to mess it up. Yeah, I think Ryan Lambert has mentioned that on the podcast. Sometimes when it's, you know, when it's your tournament, it's like you call your own shots at some point. At least it feels that way. Not that I've ever experienced it. Did you learn anything as far as from Ufala? You know, you, because I'm big on, okay, I don't try to get down on myself too much, but at the same mm -hmm. time, I don't want to forget the failures because that's what helps me kind of like, I don't want to be in that position again. So you... Don't get too depressed about it, but at the same time, you kind of want to remember what you did wrong, mm -hmm. what you could have done right. Anything from the tournament in Ufala that you took and says, this is what I got to do next 
or this is where I have to improve? Well, you follow was kind of a strange situation. Um, right after Santee Cooper, the motor in my car blew up. So I rode down to you follow with Jordan Marshall and then he dropped me off. My brother was all already down there and I rode with my brother and fished the same launch. You know, he was fishing there. I just launched there, went the opposite direction of him. And I had a decent practice, nothing great. I thought I can catch maybe 80 inches, uh, 80 inches a day, but the water dropped out and I just, I didn't adjust well. I caught my one fish and broke one off on the walkway of the docks. I was taking a, a jackhammer and throwing it. I'd get under the walkway, hold my shoulder against it and edge of those pilings in the shade later in the day. But I think I might've been able to make something happen if I did that, made that adjustment earlier. I made mm -hmm. a bunch of other adjustments trying to, you know, I tried to fish offshore I tried to fish for fry garters, spawners, <clears throat> instead of just sticking to what I had found and trying to change and make it work. Uh, I kind of messed myself up on that one, but, you know, I had a, was faced with weird circumstances. I wasn't comfortable on that part of the lake. And, you know, I learned not to go to that section again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. At least not that time of year, right? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting how other things can affect your, your fishing, right? Like things that are, are maybe out of your control and, and all that. Now that you've kind of like punched your ticket for the TLC, do you feel, what does it do for your confidence level now? And I'm assuming this is your first win in this season. Out of yes, all it, the tournaments, this yeah. is your first win. Um, how does that give you confidence moving forward? Well, it's just... I don't have to worry as much about doing well. I can, if there's a tournament and I think if I can get five bites a day in this area, I'll win compared to, Oh, I could probably cut a check here. I'll go with the more risky option. I'm already in the TOC. I've got good AOI points for what I saw last year at the TOC. I think if I get one more, if I get a top 10 at one of these events, I'll be sitting within striking distance of AOI. Uh, saw it last year at the TOC. I think it was the entire top five of AOI dropped out. I just want to have one more, you know, really good finish. Not going to worry too much about, you know, scrapping out a limit. I'm going to try to catch better fish. Hopefully make it to all of the Hobies this summer. I'm, you know, even northeast? Yes, I'm going to Winnipesaukee for sure. And then Susky, if someone, you know, just is deciding not to go to the Susky, which I know the the registration it's filled up. It's you know, there's a waiting list, probably not gonna get in through that at this point, but next year that's that's an incredible fishery. It's definitely that and Broken Bow are, are, are hand in hand for me on the favorite stops now. Um, now that you've got um, your side set on the TOC or safely in the TOC, have, have you ever fished Cardo? Uh, I have not. So you're looking forward? I mean, it's a great fishery. And you, we, we saw what uh, Cody Milton did there a couple of weeks ago. And we saw... It wasn't the same lake, but it was in that general area what uh, Guillermo mm. Gonzalez and Cody Milton did on the KBF National Championship last season. Are you excited about that lake, cypress trees, yeah, water, I, I mean, um, vegetation and all that? Yeah, I, you know, same same thing. With, I was excited for Santee with all the, all, of the, um, all the cypress trees. I love fishing cypress trees. I fished them, you know, in high school and uh, during my tournaments, we had a couple on on the the James River, which has a lot of cypress trees. I fished them there. Just all of the the stuff in in southwestern Virginia that I fish. You know, not all the time, but I'd usually make one or two trips a month when I could. Fish. I'm very comfortable fishing cypress trees. The fishing in like the cypress forest is a little weird to me, but 
I got some experience at that on uh, day two on Santee Cooper. So I'm really excited for that one. I think it should be a a little bit better on me than you follow. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure it will. With your talent, there's, you know, it's hard to keep a good angler like yourself down for too long. And, you know, Broken Bowl definitely proved that. Shifting to the college, the Hobie BOS college series. Yes. Um, I know it, it's kind of like team events and also individual events. You and Jackson are on the same team. Hell of a team, I would imagine. Don't know what, you know, what the landscape as far as team and anglers is for the Hobie BOS. But you obviously, you two are one of the youngest um, stars in our sport. How does that compare to the Hobie BOS, you know, fishing wise? Just when it comes to priorities or, you know, preference, which one do you rather win? The Hobie, the regular Hobie BOS, the Opens, or the College Series? Hobie BOS all day. It's, <laughs> it, there's not really much of a question there. The College Series, it's still new. It's small. It's getting started. But it's I think in, once people realize what's going on, they're probably going to hop in. There's a lot of opportunities there. Our team, we actually just got recently got uh, team kayaks. We have three Hobie Outbacks from got bait and tackle. They don't have graphs on them yet, but I believe we're getting seven-inch Lorances. Uh, if anyone's interested in our kayak team, we, you know, our coach is recruiting. It's just you can find us on Instagram at CN Eagles. Uh, it's we've got a you know you go to a kayak tournament your gas is paid for food is paid for entry fishing license you can go other than you know tackling snacks at the gas station if you want to get a red bull or something you can go to a tournament and not spend a dime nice. and you know you can if you don't have a kayak we have team you know we have the three team kayaks with the way that the the hobie BOS College Series is working. I think it's the the team of the overall team of the year gets a outback for the team, and then I think the winner of the championship gets a PA12 or PA14 180 for the team. So hopefully we can get one of those start to expand our our fleet of kayaks a little more. But I'm really really excited to see where things are going. And you have to be all for I me. Mean, your team, y'all. I'm assuming in a, in a, in Pardon my ignorance. It's you all have to be from the same college. Is that correct? Yes, on the team. Cool. Yeah. cool. And what college do you and Jackson go to? Carson Newman University. How many colleges are right now competing in the Hobie BOS College Series? Um, I think there are three right now for this one, but it's you know, people have to get kayaks. Campbellsville, they've done a great job. They have their own team boats. They have a team trailer. They're out here right now on Chattoog. I ran into a couple of them. Um, then I'm not sure what the other college is that's fishing, but there's a couple guys from there. I think we have – I think there's four or five from Campbellsville. We have probably five or six and then another two. So it's – you know, it should be 10 to, 10 to 12 people, a good little event. That's awesome. And when it comes to like uh, for college, what does it mean? You know, how does that help you for college having this tournament and, you know, for you personally or for the college and the team? I think it's just going to help grow the sport. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that probably don't know about the kayak fishing route that you can take. You can have a top of the line kayak for you know, a fraction of what it would cost to have a decent boat with the necessary equipment mm -hmm. on it. And uh, it's just, you don't have gas bills. Everything's expensive right now. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. My brother, he fished college um, and it was for a club. So it was not funded. Money came out of his pocket. He was fishing the college bass. He had a lot of success there, but just the the financial part of that is he was spending a whole lot of money on those tournaments and not getting much back. Yep. And the way that the, the Hobies are set up, 
we don't have many people in the tournaments yet, so it, it can't be this way. But I talked to AJ, Steve Fields, and Steve Owens. Uh, they are they are all helping out with the with the college series, and they're working on getting it to where. So right now, first place team is a thousand dollars. So they're for the for the team. It goes back, helps cover traveling expenses. If someone has a club sport, their team wins that tournament. They get a thousand bucks. But as we get more people in the events, like if it if it maxes out like caps out like the Hobie BOS does 200 people, the 20th place. Uh, Steve Field said that he was going to adjust the pay, take a little bit out of the, the top and middle and make it to where last place was a thousand so that the college anglers, they can, you know, you go, if you cut a check, your expenses are covered. You can you know go on back. But right now we just have that thousand dollars for the team. There's AFCO gift card, um, dial a reel. There's a whole bunch of other stuff you can get. So it's just a good time, and hopefully it'll grow into something big. I really think it will. Yeah, no, definitely. And, I mean, when you think about, you know, Steve Fields, Steve Owens, AJ, I mean, what can you what can you say, I mean, that hasn't been said already? There is such mm -hmm. an amazing – group of guys you know individually and when you get them as a group and you know that's a super team right though those three guys just kind of like spearheading the growth of this sport i mean thank god bless their heart for for the job they've done with the hobby bos and just kayak fishing in general you know as the hobby grows it kind of like lifts the water right every everybody grows everybody that's involved in kayak fishing you yeah. know the popularity of the sports grows and it to be able to kind of like use these resources to help out college kids like yourself. That's also amazing. And, and again, big props to all those three that are spearheading this, this work and the growth. I mean, where would it be if it wasn't for the job they're doing right now with the sport? Um, so definitely props to them. Now going into um, kind of competitive, you, you have your brother, Nolan, you have your good buddy, Jackson, or I know you guys are like, you know, well, for you, Nolan, you're actually brothers. You and Jackson are mm -hmm. like, you know, almost brothers, you know, good friends. Mm -hmm. Where does the friendship end and the rivalry begins for you guys? Like, I mean, with me, Jackson, and Nolan, we're very open about our practice. When we go to a, a Hobie tournament, uh, we will all, we have a group chat. We text back and forth, bounce ideas off of each other, try different things at different ends of the lake. But we're we're all really respectful about you know someone's area. If Jackson finds an area, we'll stay out of it. If Nolan finds an area, we'll stay out of it. It's you know part of that network that you see all the all the big names that are that are always doing well. You'll see if one of them does does good, the rest of their house usually has a decent tournament. They're all communicating. Yeah. It's no secret. People that aren't do it, doing it are just getting beat by people that are, you know, helping each other out. That's very true. I've, the first Hobie BOS to me was in Toledo, Ben, and I was just staying by myself. I just stayed in a little studio. Um, didn't really socialize to anybody because I was way far away from it where anybody was sitting. Actually, um, the house was split in two, and the house behind it had a, uh, somebody with a kayak trailer, so I'm assuming they were in the turn, but never even got to meet those people in person. And it is very different. This time I stayed, like I said, I think it was 11 of us. No, actually, I think it was seven of us um, at the house. And just the kind of like the camaraderie of just like, hey, what did you find? And what did you not find? And what it worked for you? And what area are you fishing? And stuff like that. I think it really, you know, at first when I started this, I kind of wanted to learn on my own. You know, I was like, I don't want anybody telling me like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Not that I was critical or judgmental about people that kind of fish in teams in the sense that, you know, like yourself and, and, and Nolan and, and Jackson, you know, where you communicate. Um, but then I figured, you know, if I want to have success or at least shorten that learning curve, I need to get involved as well and, you know, share what I found and 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 get information from the other ones and, and also show respect. Like you said, just because 
like I said, I was fishing with Ronaldo Nandini. He would tell me, yeah, I caught him at this spot. I'm not going to go over there now and fish that spot because I know that's where he found it. But kind of get an idea of what he what worked for him, what didn't, which in this case, everything was working. Um, and, and I think that's important. I've kind of changed my tune about that uh, because I kind of understand it more now. There, there is a camaraderie. Once you're on the water, you know, it's different. And now for you and, um, like I mentioned, Nolan and Jackson, is there anything that not that you wish to see Jackson um, fail or Nolan fail, of course, but is there a, something like a brings you a little bit of a bigger smile when you see one your name atop from those two names, or does it hurt a little bit more when you're underneath those names, or does I mean, it really make a difference? I always want to beat them both, but you know, it's I want to beat them, but you know, when one of them does does good, it's you're happy for them, happy for them, it's great, but. We, you know, just the goal is to have at least someone finish good. If if you can't at least help someone out at Toledo Bend, um, I found a place on the end of, of day one. And I didn't have a shot at cutting a check without something crazy. So I told my brother, he was sitting in a decent position. I was like, hey, go to this area and see what you can figure out. I only found one like two one or two places that had fish but i didn't spend much time there he went there he had a great day cut a good check that type of stuff that's really huge mm -hmm. when you're practicing together in areas like for example today me and jackson we were in the same area of lake chatoog i said hey you know i found some good fish over here if you can stay off of that you know don't practice it. I've already practiced that. If I come here to this ramp, I'm going to fish it during the tournament. But at the same time, it's if I don't come to this ramp and you do, that's yours to, that's yours to fish. It's, and if I'm fishing at a ramp during the tournament that he has something, you know, we usually try to, there's not a, you can't be running around like in a bass boat. So we try to help each other out as much as we can. No, definitely. And, and I love that camaraderie. And I'm sure you both, all three of you being to, um, such a young age, you know, when you look at the sport, you know, it, we hope to see you guys, you know, continue in the sport. Of course, that's your, your careers. Options are yours only. And you decide what you want to do. We hate to see you go to the bass board or, or, or see you go anywhere else other than, than uh, kayak bass fishing just because of we enjoy watching you guys uh, do such an excellent job. But again, that's your career choice, and we wish you the best moving forward. Now, for you personally, do you see this as just a transition period into you know when you get more into fam? You know, you have your wife, your kids. If you decide to go that route, and then you know get a nine to five job, or do you feel like kayak fishing? could be in the works for not just the long-term future, but not just the short-term future, but the long-term future. In other words, do you see yourself doing this 20 years from now? I, Depending on how it grows, right? I don't plan on stopping. I, if I'm not fishing kayak tournaments, I'm probably injured to where I can't fish them. <laughs> and hopefully, and hopefully the sport, you know, you can't take anything for granted. Hopefully the sport will continue to grow where it's even more, um, feasible to make a living out of it. And, you know, we, we've seen a couple of uh, guys kind of make a living out of it. We see Ross Snyder doing his, I mean, Ross Snyder, yeah, I think it's one of them, but also I meant to say, um, I have Ross Snyder on the, on the back of my mind, but also uh, Drew Gregory, you know, that's another one that comes to mind is making this his full-time job and, you know, maintaining his family. So it's, it's a lot of hard work and Drew will tell you, you know, there's, there's a lot of times, you know, when you're out on the road and not with your wife and your kids as much as you would have if you were a nine-to-five job. Which one, What do you take from the kind of like the elders in our sport? I know Ryan Lambert is has been a big mentor to you. Um, you see guys like Drew Gregory who's doing doing this for a year. He's now has his own kind of like uh, crescent, is having a kayak, you know, that um, with his name branding that he designed. When you look at branding and going and making a living out of this, what has what have you learned most from the elders in the sports right now? Um, I've just heard how much making personal connections uh, 
with the companies that you work with means, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing if you can catch the fish, but if you can have a good relationship with them and help promote their product and possibly help improve their product. Um, I mean, that's, that's really what counts when it comes to taking a step from doing it as a hobby and, and doing it, you know, for a full-time thing, you're, you're never going to make enough money off of fishing tournaments. Definitely not. Unless you win like, well, you almost did last year. I mean, you won a good chunk of money last year on the tournament. That's all. That's, I mean, that's for, for a single guy your age, that's probably money that you can live in. Now, if you have kids and family, that probably that wouldn't be enough, but yeah. It, it usually goes into my kayak or yeah. <laughs> bills for my car. <laughs> that's true. Um, social media, I know you see a lot of, um, young gentlemen like yourself going into social media. Now I've, one thing that I've noticed when you, when you look at social media, it seems like pretty easy. Oh, just make a video and upload it. But when you're in tournament fishing, you really have to like, you know, take the time to practice and focus on practice. And mm -hmm. it's not that easy. Few of them have been able to do it. Christine Fisher comes to mind. What are your thoughts on social media? Is that something that you look forward to this future expanding? Or do you just want to do fishing and forget the whole social media, YouTube specifically? Because I know Instagram, you can just post a reel and a, yeah. and a photo and all that. But YouTube is more of a creator content. Do you um, see yourself doing that? I'm actually planning on getting a GoPro or maybe two. I'm not positive with, with the money because that's that's a necessary step that I need to take. Not necessarily. I might not start off making YouTube videos, um, but just just get some clips of fish catches for, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And just to videos do a lot more than pictures. Yeah. You know, people would much rather watch you catch that six pounder than hold it. So just being able to catch those those clips on camera. And I've had. I've had way too much crazy stuff happen during a tournament to not be running a camera. Yeah. So I figured, figured it's time for that to stop and I need to start filming. Yeah. There's some, you know, wildlife encounters, angry boat, uh, fishermen, uh, you know, angry, uh, landowners. It's there, there's a lot of stuff, uh, angry guys. Fisherman, angry cat fisherman as well. I know your brother had to deal with that. Yeah, the other day, unfortunately, I always, I've always kind of fallen in line with what before even Christine Fisher posted that video a couple of months ago. I've always thought the same thing, and I and I've learned that from uh, listening to Ryan Lambert on on the KBN. You know that the importance of like, you know, there is some pride involved. The, like for me myself, day one was horrible. Day two, I would have loved to you know put in a good tournament, but not going to catch a check at this point. It was unrealistic. And then there's people out there that have a shot. Why? And, you know, and not to toot my own horn, but if I can bring something to the table that somebody can take away from this podcast, listen, if, if you're on the water, if you're going to a two-day tournament, day one tournament, all bets are off. You know, you, you, you can catch five fish in the last 30 minutes and make something out of nothing. But day two, if you know you didn't get a limit on the first day, um, you know, and you're not going to have a chance to get in the money on day two. Go still go out there if you want, have fun, but, you know, try to be mindful of those people that are, you know, fighting for AOI, fighting for, you know, to get in the money, to win the tournament. If you can, leave them the water, have communications. Oftentimes what I do, I'll ask them, it's like, hey, man, I'm not in the money, or ma'am, this lady anglers out there as well, I'm not in the money. If you want this spot, I can tell you what I found. You can have that spot for the most time. It's it's a pleasant um, experience and learning, and and they appreciate it. You know the the name you make for yourself in within the kayak kayak fishing community weighs more than any paycheck uh, and any tournament winnings. That's my opinion. So I can tell you that, and you can use that to you know to your experience in the water. That's what I would suggest. Ewing, um, again, congratulations. You've had yes. an excellent season. You got some sponsors. The only thing that I have in common with you right now is we're on the same Douglas uh, team. So I was like, yeah, I got that in common with you. And I can't yes. catch him like he can, but at least I can see him on the same team. How do, how do you like those Douglas rods? Yeah, I like them a lot. They're, uh, 
they're, the Matrix series is yes. incredibly sensitive. Um, they also make a really good, they make extremely good finesse stuff and extremely good big swim bait stuff. Their glide bait rod that I have, I think it's a 711 heavy. It's great for throwing a, you know, seven to nine inch glide bait, handles it great, loads up like a crankbait rod would since it's trebles, whole rod loads. I the the amount of fish I land on a glide bait now has increased significantly. I didn't know the rod could make that much of a difference. Um and just all of their their whole line of rods is good. Um I mainly use the LRS rods. That's you know I've got the my favorite one is it's probably the the seven seven four medium heavy it's a good all-around texas rig jig throwing a carolina rig spoons anything you want to throw on it it's got a little bit softer tip but it's gets into some some backbone quick not definitely they're, they're great rods and and to be honest with you man I, when i started fishing out how always the mentality of you know the real Bait caster is such a complicated, you know, a lot of moving parts. Always thought, you know, I'll spend more on the bait caster, whatever I have left off. I'll, you know, I'll just use any rod. And as I've matured as an angler, I've noticed the rod, to me, my opinion, and anybody can have a different outtake on that. But to me, the rod is the most important thing. Like if I have to spend more money, I would rather spend it on the rod and get whatever reel I can afford. Now, that's if you're in a limited budget. If you can afford a great rod and great reel, good for you. But I, one thing that I've noticed going in, moving into Douglas is I rarely have a fish come off. Not that it doesn't happen, but compared to when I used to do the Bass Pro brands, like the Crank Stick, nothing against Bass Pro, but the Crank Stick. I mean, I've lost so many bass on that thing until I finally changed it. Um, the lightweight on it, my, my Glide Bait rod, um, I used to use the Avogarcia Veritas rod, and I never could pronounce it. And that rod was heavy as hell, man. It's like, you know, like using, I don't know, man. It's like a jag. <laughs> I don't know. It, it was just a broomstick, and it was, like, made out of lead. And since then, I've switched to the – since I've switched to the x Matrix, my Glide Bait rod, I was showing it to Rolando Nandine, um, and he couldn't believe how light it was and how heavy you can use a bait on that yep. rod. So it is really uh, an amazing rod. And we're not just saying that because we're sponsored, kind of like we're both sponsored by them. But honestly, I think you and I would both tell you we love those rods. We yep. use it if, if we haven't been sponsored by them. And I want to do the, Go ahead. The, Go ahead. the guys there, um, they're, they're oh, yeah. really great. They, if, you know, you can get in touch with them. I think they've got their their contact information on their website. Uh, they're very helpful. I personally ask them because every rod action is different between brands. I ask them whenever I go to make an order of rods. I say, hey, what rod do I like? What rod should I use for this? Um, for a chatterbait, I asked and they, the 715 and it's perfect. Uh, yeah. I haven't all the rods that they've suggested to me so far have been exactly what I've wanted. Yeah, no, they're good. And Don Epsi, which handles the, I think the social media side, he's always in contact whenever he knows there's a tournament coming up, he'll call me and says, you have anything you need for the tournament? Um, also, uh, Caleb Conrad, who I think is the head of sales for uh, conventional rods yep. and Kevin Johnson. I mean, great group of people. And they do so much to support the anglers. And, and I know I've seen on their social media account, I've seen a bunch of your pictures there. Yeah. So, you know, they, they help you out growing your, they, they've helped me out tremendously growing the podcast. So big shout out to them. I want to do a series of kind of rapid questions. I know we've almost in an okay. hour and you, you're fishing. I don't want to take too long, but real quickly, if you couldn't fish for bath, Ewan, what would you be fishing for? Hmm. Does it have to be freshwater? Doesn't matter. If you couldn't fish for bass, not allowed to I, fish for bass. If I wasn't allowed to fish for bass, I'd probably either only fish for stripers or just saltwater fishing. I love fishing for stripers. It's like a big aggressive bass that 
It is. That just doesn't jump. That's the only problem with them. But yeah, I, they don't. I love saltwater fishing. I go down for a week or two every year with my family, fish every day that weather allows it. We go offshore, we fish flats in the kayaks for redfish. That's I've grown up doing that and I, I can't get enough of it. It's just based off of my location. I fish for bass and I've, I've said it a million times before. If I grew up within an hour of the coast, I probably wouldn't competitively bass fish. Really? <laughs> well, thank God you don't. <laughs> We'd love to see you at the sport. Um, what's been your biggest win of your career so far in kayak fishing? Broken bow. Broken bow? That, the mean, why is it? Why is it compared to, like, you've had, like, more than, like, a handful of wins already what, between last year and this year. What mm -hmm. is so special about Broken Boy that's different than the, the other win you've had? It was just showing up to a very unfamiliar lake. There's almost nothing you can find out about it research-wise. Yeah. Just, just had a couple things that, you know, some buddies told me from their experience, I think Dylan, Dylan might've been the only person that told me, you know, what his experience was. Um, and then I went on Navionics, picked out a couple different areas to check during practice, went, went in, my game plan worked, everything went smooth, started tough on day two, kept grinding, got what I needed. It was just overall, it, it felt like a, I worked hard for that tournament and it felt like it was, you know, I really, um, really needed that one too, just after, after what I was, was going through my slump that after having your worst tournament ever, yeah. it's, it's makes, makes your best tournament ever seem even better. <laughs> I bet. Biggest weakness in kayak fishing for you. What's your biggest weakness? Uh, netting fish. <laughs> biggest strength uh boat flipping fish <laughs> i i got a lot i got a lot better at, at at netting them but um just throwing that that little drop shot hook the whole time i had to i had to net them but day two of toledo and and santi cooper both when i toledo when i had that really big 90 inch day i didn't bring my net um, Santi Cooper, I didn't bring my, my net because I got to the point I looked at everything that I had changed and the two things that had changed from the year before was my kayak and my net. And I was like, I can't just go back kayaks. I already got this one. I'm stuck with it. So I got rid of my net and I got a different net and I finally caught them. There you go. Um, aside from you, and last question, aside from you, Who's the best kayak angler out there, in your opinion? Who's the best? Hmm. I'd say all around well-rounded angler. I know it's since he's leading AOI for the Hobie BOS, it probably sounds a little ridiculous, but I'd go with Cody Milton because he he's really good with live scope. So he's good offshore. He can catch them up shallow. He can catch them in clear lakes. He can catch them in grass. Really well-rounded angler. Um, has beat me a whole lot of times. And, you and everybody else. <laughs> and yeah, he's I, and he's a, he's just a really really good guy, cool character, and um, always always like to to see him at awards. Yeah, no, definitely a good guy. I finally met him in person. I've had him on the podcast twice, but I never got a chance to meet him in person till uh, till today till today till um, the Hobie Broken Bow at the Captain's Beaties. I got to see you there too, but I think I met you, I met you before at the Toledo Band ones. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's Cody Milton's definitely a name that comes up there. Definitely. I, you can't argue with that one. And I've known for a fact, having him on the podcast, I remember KBF tournament that day one, he was using like, I think when the life scope came out, he was using it, kind of struggled with it. Next day, he just left it in the car and went without any electronics on the KBF trails day two and actually one day two. So he can do it with or without um, electronics, which is pretty amazing.
anyways, Ewan, I've, I've had you on uh, about an hour and you've, I mean, thank you for your time. I know you're super tired. You've been fishing all day and this last week. So we with you, wish you the best on the tournament for the college series this weekend. You, Jackson, your team, wish you the best moving forward on the Hobie BOS and any tournament you go into. Thank you so much for giving the time. If you want to take a few minutes, I want to give you a few minutes to give you shout outs. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, yeah, I'd just like to uh, thank you for having me on here. It's always a great time chatting with you. Uh, dugout bait and tackle for everything they do for me, rigging out my tackle, making sure I have everything for tournaments, uh, getting me into kayak tournament fishing in the first place. Uh, Douglas Rods, they're, you know, we already talked about them. It's, I've said everything I can say about them. It's, it's great, great guys, great company no problems there um cigar line we you know it's not a direct uh partnership that we have that's through through our school's team they do a whole lot to help us out keep us spooled up with line um that's you know those uh sorry i lost my words um that's just the program we have going with them uh Another thing that that a lot of people overlook is I heard one of my buddies talking about how his live scope looked awful. Is it's the battery that you run? I run Biolino mm-hmm. uh, power. Those those batteries they're great. I run the 80 amp hour 12 volt, and I have crystal clear live scope. I can see a drop shot at 80 to 90 foot in clean wow. water, um, and then the the Newport NK81 uh, NK180S the their trolling motor uh, I run the Bioeno 24 volt 50 amp hour on that cover tons of water during practice I can I've covered I mean probably like I think my best day as far as covering miles was like 25 26 miles and I just oh, run it the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be crazy without that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's well. Congratulations again, you and you've you've earned every single one of your sponsors with the great job you're doing, and you've not only that, but on and off the water, you're a great dude, uh, uh, wise and mature beyond your years. We again, we wish you the best moving forward, uh, both in and out of the water. Uh, for those out there listening, again. Big thanks to Douglas Rod. We've mentioned him before. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out their full lineup. If you suck at fishing like me, you can use him. If you are an amazing angler like you and there's still, you can use him. So it's all great all around um, uh, Rod. So big thanks to you. And if you're going to be on the water, if you're going to have a couple of beers, please be responsible, guys and if and girls. And please wear your PFDs. Have a great time, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>